Welcome to Minimalish. I'm your host, Desiree, and this is a podcast about minimalism, sort of. It's a podcast about how living with less stuff and less distractions can help us focus on what's most important. So what you'll find here, of course, we will talk to cluttering and living with less, but we'll also talk about the important things in life and how to approach them intentionally. We'll approach topics of motherhood, home life, relationships, work, our health, and the important things in general that fill up our days. And what you won't find here, a perfectionist version of minimalism. I'm a mom, a full-time teacher, and a podcaster, and I've found the version of minimalism that you may find on Instagram or Pinterest to be unattainable. We aren't minimalism purists here. We're simply focused on living with less in a way that's realistic to us. It's a version of minimalism I personally like to call minimal-ish. The goal is not living with less for the sake of less here, or to make sure our homes make us look like a minimalist. The goal is living with less in a real way so that we can have more time and space and energy to focus on what matters most. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. I'm your host, Desiree, and it is officially fall, and this is the perfect episode to be ringing in the fall. Today, I'm talking with Jamie Erickson of The Unlikely Homeschool. Her book, Holy Huga, which I don't know if I'm saying correctly, and I think I even say it differently in the interview, was just released about a week ago, and it is all about this Danish practice of slower living, of connection, of cozy spaces, of contentment, and we talk about all of those things. We talk about how we can or how we can create a space in our home that is inspired by Huga, and also how we can invite people in to our homes to relationship with us, to love others well. It's all a part of the hospitality side of Huga. While Jamie views Huga through her faith, this conversation is not entirely faith-based. We do talk about that side of it for just a minute or two, but I just want you to know that this is a conversation for everyone, whatever your beliefs are on the concept of Huga and how it can help us find peace and contentment and connection this fall and winter season. I've already kind of cozified my home for fall, and I'm looking forward to implementing some of the other tips that Jamie shares in this episode, not only to bring Huga to my home, but also to my life in general. So with all that said, I hope you grab something warm to drink and kind of cozy up wherever you are, even if you're in your car. I don't know, get a cozy vibe going somehow and just enjoy this episode as we welcome in a new season. At least here in the U.S., we're welcoming fall, but whatever season you're in, welcome it in. What Jamie says is that Huga is about seasonal living in general. So while it's a concept that can kind of help us get through those colder months, I think a lot of these concepts can be applied to the warmer months as well. So wherever you are, let's just dive right into my conversation with Jamie. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today, Jamie. Uh, before we dive into our topic, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Certainly. I'm thrilled to be here, by the way. Thanks for having me. My name is Jamie Erickson, and I am the college sweetheart of my my own Dane. And we're going to be talking about the Danish lifestyle here in a second. So it's it's fitting that I should marry a man named Dane, who is himself Danish. Um, we have five kids. We've been married for about 20 years. And we live in um, the upper part of Minnesota. But here's the thing. I'm originally from the inner city of Phoenix. And when we met at college and I followed love, 
wherever it was taking me, we landed in a very small town, uh, almost like a one horse town. It had more than one stoplight, but barely. A very small town of central Minnesota. And if you can just picture that for a second, how one inner city gal would fare in the deep woods of central Minnesota, um, you kind of get a picture of what a stark difference my life was when I was newly married. So definitely a big transition for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Not just like weather, obviously, you know, I've lived at the absolute polar extremes of weather on the planet, but you know, and this is going to date me here for a second, but if you were a child of the eighties and you watched Sesame street, perhaps, you know, the song, one of these things just doesn't belong here. That is what my life felt like for the first, I don't know, three to five years that I lived here in Minnesota, because the culture is just so different. The people are different, not better or worse, just different. Midwestern lifestyle was so different from what I was used to in the inner city of Phoenix. And I felt out of place in this new place and with these new people. Yeah, I can't imagine the difference there. I am in Pittsburgh, so I feel like, you know, my weather might be a little bit like that Midwestern weather there, and it can be a shock. <laughs> yeah, I owned a single coat until I married my husband, and now I, I welcome, you know, negative 20, negative 30 throughout much of the winter. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. Negative 20, negative 30. I don't I don't um, think I could even welcome that, even though I'm born and raised like Pittsburgh and, and have dealt with quite cold weather. But we are going to talk about, and I, I'm trying, we, we were talking about this before we hit record, I'm trying to learn how to pronounce this correctly, um, Huga, today. And it is typically a concept that at, le at least I kind of associate with colder temperatures. So sure. I can see how this has become, well, first of all, I didn't know your husband was Danish. So that, that makes a lot of sense as well, but I can see how, you know, that change from an inner city to a small town could have maybe helped you embrace this concept. But I, I want to hear about that a little bit. First, let's just talk about like, what is Huga and where does this idea originally come from? Um, and what made you want to write a book about it? Yeah, great question. So Huga is a Danish lifestyle practice that's been around the Danish culture for hundreds and hundreds of years, but it's only recently made its way around to other parts of the world, including the United States. It's been hashtag on Instagram, I think more than 8 million times. Target.com has a whole Huga line. HGTV has Huga as a design aesthetic. So it's really trending here in the United States, but I think it's a really difficult word to nail down. And part of that is because we just don't have an English translation for it. It's a loan word, we can call it, from another country. And so it's, it's really hard for us to find an English equivalent for it in our dictionary. It's been described as a lifestyle that engenders things like comfort and consolation. It's a way of making the mundane and necessary parts of life more beautiful and meaningful. A lot of people like to refer to it as socialization for introverts, but I'm an extrovert and I embrace it wholeheartedly because as I said, you know, as a Phoenician moving all the way up here to the near tundra of Minnesota, I had to find ways to embrace comfort and contentment. And that's a real hard one for me to 
for me to grasp on negative 20 degree days contentment. Um, I had to find ways to Huga. So when I moved up here, I noticed that my husband and all of his friends and family seemed to have this inner peace, this inner drive, this inner contentment and coziness. And I just could not wrap my head around it. You know, they were walking around in outfits that were small enough, I thought, to fit into a sandwich bag. And here I was wearing every single outfit I owned, and I looked like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. And I just grew this really for lack of a better word, a, a deep bitterness about where I was living. But here's the thing, I couldn't change the weather. You know, whether I found contentment in, or, in it or not, the snow was still going to fall. The weather was still going to be cold. So I had to find ways to change my perspective. I couldn't change my circumstances, but I could change my perspective. And that really is at the core what Huga is. It's interesting while you're saying that, like how the weather is, at least if if we live in these more Midwestern or Northern areas of the US or wherever, you know, we typically complain about the weather and it's something that we can't change. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's something we don't have any control over, yet we complain about it and can get ourselves, you know, in such a rut because of it. So um, I love that this concept kind of helped you out of it. Is it something that you learned about through your husband? For sure. He was the first one to introduce it to me. And and as a Dane, he was naturally born cocooned in all the layers of Huga. And I'm an outsider just trying to, you know, wrap my head around it and learn through trial and error. What I loved most about it, though, you know, the, the Danes have a phrase or a saying, it says, it goes like this, there is no bad weather, only bad clothing. And we can look at that phrase as something very practical. You know, if you go outside in your flip-flops and your t-shirt in the middle of negative 20, you're going to be very uncomfortable. So why don't you go on back inside and put on your wool socks and your sensible shoes, you know, or we can actually look at that phrase and apply it to other areas of our life. Um, you know, I just walked through a season of great grief. My sister passed away and it, I was in deep anguish. I could not change my circumstances, but I could find joy. I could hold both joy and sorrow in the same hand and find joy in the midst of my deep grief. There's no bad weather, only bad clothing. And I can learn to use that and apply it to other areas in my life. I couldn't change the fact that my sister passed away, but I could find joy in every day. I just had to be intentional about reaching for it. Yeah. I never really thought of that phrase in that way. I usually think of it like very literally, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because it has been something that I've thought about in the past to try to get myself outside in the winter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't love the winter, but, um, but yeah, I, I love that idea of just, you know, using it kind of as a mindset shift of how do we live through these things that we can't control and live through them well, instead of just, you know, getting through them. I want to take a quick break to thank the sponsors that are helping make today's episode of Minimalish possible. The summer has ended and that means it's the busy season, right? 
And one way to make your life easier is Little Spoon. Little Spoon is a one-stop shop for healthy, easy mealtime and snack time for your baby, toddler, and big kid delivered right to your door. With fresh, organic baby food for every stage, toddler and kids meals that even picky eaters love, and healthy snack time with their new smoothies line, Little Spoon has you covered. Little Spoon makes everything fresh and uses absolutely nothing artificial. I love Little Spoon's baby food as I'm feeding my baby her first foods because it's 100% organic, it's cold pressed, and right now we've been really relying on those single ingredient purees and my daughter is loving them. The best part is the price because kids meals are under $6 and baby food and smoothie snacks are under $3. So you can make this back to school season's chaos a little more manageable with time-saving, delicious, and healthy meals and snacks that you can feel good about. Enter code MINIMALISH at checkout and get 50% off your Little Spoon order. That's 50% off your Little Spoon order with code MINIMALISH at checkout at littlespoon.com. I also want to thank Aspiration. Did you know that the dollars in your savings account are busy? If you're banking with a standard bank account, your dollars are often getting funneled into big oil and causing problems for our planet. Aspiration is a climate-friendly alternative to big banks. You can get an account with a debit card that's built to help your wallet and the planet. Moving $1,000 into an Aspiration Plus account has the same impact as driving 6,000 miles less. When there are small things that we can do to fight climate change, those things add up. And I love how easy Aspiration is. It's a small shift that can make a big difference. Best of all, there's no credit check, no overdraft fees. Make your dollars make a difference. Open an Aspiration account at aspiration.com slash minimalish debit and move your money out of fossil fuels. Help save the planet with your Aspiration debit card. Open your account at aspiration.com slash minimalish debit today. Aspiration.com slash minimalish debit. Terms and conditions apply. So... Huga already, already just from talking to you, it is much more than I thought of it as in the past. I've thought of it kind of as those cozy things, you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, light candles and have uh, cozy clothes on and, you know, stay warm in the winter type of thing. But I know that you talk about it as so much more than that. So I want to talk about incorporating it into our lives. So it sounds appealing on the surface of like being cozier in the winter. I even have seen it be about like design or aesthetics, that type of thing, just like how you decorate your home in those months. But where does that leave someone who's like not good at decorating or not really into interior design? How can we incorporate it into our life beyond that? Yeah, well, you've just read part of my resume. <laughs> I'm not gifted in interior design. That's my husband's thing. I, I'm on a limited budget, so I don't have all the money in the world to make it look like, you know, Joanna Gaines landed on my doorstep. And that's probably most of us, if we're being really honest. I think the great thing about Huga is that it really encourages balance, meaning I don't have to have an Instagram-worthy house um, that always looks photo-ready. Huga is about beautiful. That's true but it's about beautiful to you. And I think even more than that, it really is about being meaningful. You know, this is a a podcast all about minimalistic living. And I, I would gather or imagine that when you use that term, you're not actually using it to mean, you know, you're sterilizing all of your life and, you know, making just blank white canvas. 
it just means that you're really intentional about what you choose to put in your space, in your life, in your time, how you use your energy. And I think the Danes do that really well. On the surface, I would say they're very minimalistic, or at least most people assume they are, but really they're meaningfulistic. I think it's about creating places where people feel safe, where they feel comfortable and at ease. I think it is about creating spaces that allow them to bring their real selves and their real lives to the table. They don't have to clean themselves up to feel invited and welcome. Remember that atmosphere is not necessarily about a space. It's really about a feeling. And so with Hugo, you're creating and curating a feeling more than you're just adding a bunch of knickknacks and you know the latest thing off the target shelf to your wall. So you don't necessarily have to be the next Joanna Gaines. You don't have to be an interior designer to create a feeling of Huga. And, and just to that end, remember that atmosphere, there are seven main tenants to Huga. Atmosphere is one of them, but it's only one of the seven. I think we all are gifted and lean more towards one of the seven naturally. And we might have to work a little harder, have a little bit more intentionality with the other six. And that's fine. For me, hospitality seems to come really easy, but I know that that's really hard for a lot of people to shake hands with. You know, it's not their native tongue. And I get that. Atmosphere might be your struggle. If I'm being really honest, contentment is mine. So I can embrace the other six elements of Huga pretty easily. And then I just recognize, oh, I might have to try a little harder for the last one, which is for me, contentment. I think the world would like to paint Huga as just design aesthetics, you know, the next feng shui, but that's not really what it is. Um, Huga is comprised of these seven things, hospitality, relationships, well-being, and that includes not just your well-being, but the well-being of those around you, atmosphere, comfort, contentment, and rest. And who doesn't need more of all of those things in their life? Yeah. Absolutely. What are some like tangible ways that you started incorporating, you know, some of those tenants into your life and what are some tangible ways that someone else could do that? I think first you have to remember that Huga is rooted in seasonal living. And that really, you know, harkens back to the fact that the Danish people like us in Minnesota are blanketed in winter for so much of the year. So they really want to make good use out of the other seasons while they have them and then learn to not just get through winter, not just survive it, but really learn to thrive in it. So I think to really embrace seasonal living, that might mean you eat what's in season when it's in season. You accept the fact that you can't have everything that you want when you want it. You have to make good use out of consuming what you have available to you. I think for me, it also helped me welcome scruffy hospitality, the kind that doesn't require me to sterilize my entire house before people enter it. The kind that doesn't just welcome all of their hard things, but allows my hard things too. I think it also means that I, I incorporate with all the senses in mind when I'm decorating, when I'm inviting people into my house, you know, it's really easy to put another pretty thing on the wall. 
to feel like I'm creating a, a cozy space. But Huga really is seeped in the senses and it recognizes that in order to create that atmosphere, that feeling of coziness, you really need to not just see pretty things, but you want to hear pretty things and smell pretty things and touch pretty things. So you're incorporating all the senses. And especially as we're going into fall and eventually into winter, which really is high huga of the year, you know, it's those are the perfect seasons to incorporate the five senses because, you know, I don't necessarily have to throw out another plastic pumpkin on my table for it to feel like fall. I can make pumpkin bars and then we're tasting fall, we're smelling fall. I can waft some lovely seasonal scents in a, in a diffuser for my family to smell. I can curate a playlist that really um, celebrates particular seasons and create some memories for my children, for those who enter my home without adding another thing to the space. Yeah, that's perfect. I think, you know, a lot of us want to feel that like seasonal festive feeling, not just like, I, I, you know, traditionally people are decking out their houses for like Christmas time, but like through all seasons, we mm-hmm. want to feel and experience that the fullness of that season and what it brings. But consumerism kind of encourages us to, yeah, all you have to do is just like buy things and decorate and, right. and that's it, right? And Make wonder... it look like the holiday aisle of Target threw up in your living room. <laughs> but then you got to clean that up. You've got to, you've got to maintain that and clean up after it and dust it and, you know, put batteries in it and store it and all the things. Yep. Yep. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. And then not all of us, like we said, like have that eye for design either. So just the idea that we can experience more fullness of a season if we are actually experiencing it like via our senses, uh, not just sight, (laughs) but the other ones too. Um, I love that. So not all listeners of this podcast share the same faith, but I do want to hear, because your book is called Holy Holy Huga. I am still struggling to pronounce it. Um, so am I, so, friend. So am I. <laughs> I'm not Danish, so we'll do our best. Exactly. So I, this is a huge part of your book, is your faith and how Huga and your faith align. So can you share a little bit about that? How, how do you view Huga through the lens of your faith? That's an excellent question. I think it's really important to remember that Huga is not a faith-based concept. It's a lifestyle concept. And I think that it can be um, filtered through really any lens that you want it to. I happen to be an evangelical Christian. So when I look at the seven tenets of Huga, I see them through the lens of my faith. I think um, because 21st century living is a lot of hustle, it's really hard at times. Our culture is very demanding and can kind of be a little depressing. I think the world is looking for, and and I'd go so far as to say clamoring for contentment and rest and acceptance, hospitality, all of those things that are in Huga. And I see them as an evangelical Christian through the eyes of Jesus. And so Huga appeals to our desire for peaceful and inviting spaces, this 
inward eternal longing for home that we're all looking for, that our family is looking for, that our friends are looking for, our neighbors are looking for. I mean, who doesn't want that Norman Rockwell painting, like the comfy chair by the fire, the cozy blanket, the hot latte? We all want that. And to the world, that is what Huga looks like to everybody else. But when I see it through the lens of my faith, I actually see it as a way um, to fill in some of the empty emotional spaces, some of the spiritual bankruptcy that I know I have experienced and my friends and family have experienced. And I feel like it is so rooted in invitational living that I can use it as a tool to share my faith to my friends, my family, and my neighbors. It's not about a religion. It's really about a relationship. And for me, that's my relationship with Jesus. I love how you have found how your faith informs the way that you kind of do, Huga. I love that. I've been trying to drink more water lately and Mixups has been helping me do that. Mixup supplements use clinically studied ingredients and dosages to support your natural energy, immunity, and digestive health, and they taste great too. Their Gambrew Energy Drink uses a special blend of five ingredients that enhance your body's internal energy production without the added caffeine or stimulants. The One Shot Water Amplifier is a three-in-one product to amp up your water with fiber, electrolytes, and immunity boosters. And Little SH exclamation mark TS is a special blend of fiber and magnesium to support digestion and motility for children and adults. My favorite is the One Shot Water Amplifier. I am actually drinking it right now as I record. And when I kind of forget to drink water all day, this makes me feel hydrated so quickly. <laughs> Mixups lets you get the most out of your water so you can feel your best and pee your best. Right now, my listeners can get 20% off your first purchase, but only when you go to the special URL, which is mixups.com slash minimalish. That's M-I-X-S-U-P-P-S dot com slash minimalish. I also want to thank every plate. Fall is finally here, which means back to routine, back to busy schedules, and back to the best time-saving hack for weeknight dinners, every plate. If you think meal kits are too expensive, every plate will change your mind. It is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping, especially as grocery prices have skyrocketed. The menu provides lots of options like quick and easy, meat and veggie, veggie only, and family friendly. But not only is every plate an affordable way to eat, it also tastes delicious. We loved every single recipe that we've tried so far, but the Super Smash Burgers are our definite favorite. Get your first box for just $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code MINIMALISH149. Again, that's getting your first box for just $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code MINIMALISH149. All right, let's get back to today's episode. I, I didn't really know about like the hospitality aspect of Huga and how it can be about togetherness. It can be about inviting people in. So I just love that that is the part, um, you know, that I know you talk about that a lot in your book. Can you give us some, I don't know, tips for the person who maybe wants to invite more people into their home, but 
has felt like maybe their home is not good enough or mm. it's new to them. Um, they've feared doing it. I think that's a pretty um, common feeling around hospitality. Absolutely. If I'm going to get messages from moms or women saying, I would really love to embrace this idea of Hugo, but I am not a hostess. That's the one I'm going to get over and over and over again. And I completely understand that even though hospitality, I think kind of comes a little naturally to me. I, I also would say that I lived in a 900 square foot house for about 13 years with seven people. It was not ideal, but here's the thing. People want to feel connection more than they want more couch space. So they're not coming to your home to see all your pretty things. They're coming to be seen, to be known, to be loved. I think that there are a few practical things that we can do to make hospitality easier for all of us, but especially those who it doesn't maybe come as naturally to some simple inroads. So I'll just give you a couple. I think, first of all, keep a very short list of some no fuss crowd pleasing menus that you can do practically with your eyes shut and keep all the ingredients for those things stocked in your freezer or your pantry at all times, because then you can feel free to give an easy yes to inviting people over in an impromptu way. And I love impromptu invitations because then you cannot overthink it. You know, if they're coming to your house in five minutes, you can't really scrub anything. Um, and so that really welcomes each of us to welcome others with just open arms without it being about us, you know, there really is a difference between entertaining and hosting. Entertaining really is about us. It's putting us on the pedestal, letting us show off. Hosting is about the other person. And so by creating and curating a really basic menu of things that, you know, are crowd pleasers, you can give an easy yes to having people in your house. I think you don't always have to have people in your home either. Hospitality is just about welcoming arms. To people. And that can be done anywhere. It can be done in the grocery store aisle if, if need be. You know, when you see somebody who looks lonely, three out of five Americans claim to be lonely. And that was pre-pandemic statistics. Imagine what they are right now. So no one is going to look at you and say, oh, no, 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 no. I don't need another relationship. Everyone wants to be seen and known. So here, here's just a simple tip that you can do that doesn't require you to welcome anyone in your home. On your phone, um, in like a notes app, begin to curate a list of some of the favorite hot drinks of your friends, your family, and your neighbors, whatever they like to order at Starbucks. Now, during the winter, when you know a hot drink is seasonally appropriate, whenever you hear about some great something that happened in their life, or maybe some hard something, for around $5, you can hand deliver a hot drink to them and just stretch out your arms and say, Here's something so that you feel seen and known and loved. Another helpful idea is to curate just a couple of dinnertime questions. Put them all in a jar, cut them, you know, cut slips of paper, put a question on a slip of paper, put it in a jar and have it there at your table. You can pull them out at dinner time, ask them to your kids, ask them to your neighbors, whoever happens to be at the table. But it's a great way to spark a conversation. When you're intentional to think of conversation topics before you have guests, um, especially for introverts or people that, you know, conversations get a little socially awkward. I'm a very awkward human. And so I could use all the help that I could get. So having a couple of conversation starters to just get the conversation going um, can sometimes alleviate the fear 
of having people over and that idea of, oh, I have to entertain them. Well, thank you for those tips. Cause I think sometimes we just overthink it. And yes. so many of the things you just said, like, first of all, they're not even all about having to invite people into our home. If that's not hundred percent our thing or not what we want to start with, but rather just about either togetherness or letting people, whether, even if it's like the people that are already inside of our home, know that they are seen and loved. So thank you so much for those tips. Um, thank you for just giving us a little breakdown, um, of Huga and it's, you know, leaning into the fall here soon and the winter soon to come. So this is a great time to kind of learn more about it and your book, where can anyone find it? If they want to read more about Holy Huga, you can find it wherever books are sold. It comes out through Moody publishers on September 6th. And I would love to have you snag it. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. I have two questions that I ask every guest before you leave. The first one is what's something that you're simplifying right now? Something that I'm simplifying right now, probably reading aloud to my kids. I've read aloud to them since they were born. Now I have teenagers and I still read aloud to them every single day. It's a way for me to make lasting connections with them and to open up opportunities for some deep, meaningful conversations. But I can at times put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure that happens every single day because that is the tradition. But now that they're working, now that they have their own social calendars, it sometimes doesn't happen. And so I'm simplifying by saying, telling myself this internal monologue, it will happen when it happens. And that's okay. I love that. That's a good reminder. I think as parents, just in general, um, a lot of things that we like expect of ourselves or want to do all the time. It doesn't always happen. So that's, and it goes back to Hugo, like embracing the season you're in because in parenting seasons change from year to year. And you just have to embrace the season that you're handed and that you're in right now and not the season you wish you were in or the season you used to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And my second question is just kind of a fun one. What's something that you're loving right now? I am loving a goal I made for myself back in January. And so far I'm still sticking to it. I set a goal for myself to cook through the Magnolia table volume two by the end of the year. And so what that looks like, practically speaking, I have to cook about three to four of those items in the cookbook a week. And that doesn't mean I'm cooking three to four totally new, you know, whole entire meals. It might be, you know, a, a loaf of bread or a sauce that goes with this particular kind of meat or whatever. But as a working work at home mom, I don't have a drive home from work. I don't have a time that I get to sort of unwind and unpack the day before I have to put my mom hat on. So for me, cooking dinner is my sort of unload, unleash, wind down time. There's something wonderful about the rhythm of chopping and you know, sauteing and the smells and just that repetition, that rhythm. And so having this goal of working through this cookbook is giving my rhythm a little intentionality and it feels more about me and less about everyone else. Well, that sounds like an amazing goal and probably one that your family is loving too. <laughs> yes, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much again for being on the podcast and sharing with us all about Hugo today. It's been delightful. Thank you for having me. 
hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it makes you excited or at least have something to look forward to for the next coming seasons of fall that is here right now and winter coming up. I know this year especially I have been really dreading the winter. Last year I had a hard winter. I think it was just because I was pregnant and stuck in the house so much. But this year I'm determined to hopefully find some contentment and joy in that season as well. I love fall, so I'm all for it. But then I know that winter is just around the corner, especially here in Pittsburgh. It comes quick. So I have this like weird hesitation about enjoying the fall right now. This episode, this conversation with Jamie really helped me kind of breathe out let that go a little bit and know that I can make my home cozy, warm, inviting. And and it's not even just about the atmosphere, just my attitude towards the season can be different. I can make it about experiencing this season, the seasonal things that come with my family. And I think for me, the biggest takeaway from this episode is actually towards the end when we talked about hospitality, just the idea that we can invite people into our lives, not just our homes, and we can help people feel known and loved by maybe like bringing them a warm drink or just anything that can make them feel special and loved and known. Something I want to do more in my daily life, and I love that that is an aspect of Huga that Jamie talks about. I think all of us are craving connection, and we can find that within our homes with the people who are already there. We can find that in cultivating friendships and inviting people into our homes in so many ways. If you enjoyed this episode, would you share it with a friend or share it on Instagram? I hope it gets you feeling excited for the fall and winter seasons to come and gives you some ideas of just how to make these seasons joy-filled and comforting. And if you haven't already, leaving the podcast a rating and review is one of the best and free ways to support it. I am so grateful for you for doing that, just taking a few minutes to just leave a positive rating and review if you're loving it. That helps the podcast get in front of more eyes and ears. So thank you for that. All right, friend, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening in. And I will talk to you right back here again next week.